Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. I told you guys it was going to be a physical game, and it was. It wasn't easy. They're good on defense. You got to keep plugging. Got, or a better word is you got to keep pounding. We got a big ball game here, a totally different team, and we got to be able to play totally different teams equally as well. Ground up three, ground up three, one, two, three, ground you're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. What's up, everybody? Yes, this is a live episode of the Huddle Up Podcast presented by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime that you all know and love as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. And, Zach, you and I are finally on the board after starting 0-5 in the Pick'em at Mile High Roundtable. We're both finally on the board, and this team appears to be moving in the right direction. At least the defense. I mean, they're, they're getting to the quarterback. They're stopping the run now. You know, they're forcing takeaways. At least Vic Fangio's vision is finally starting to come to fruition a little bit. And I think enough time has set in, despite the injuries, enough time for the scheme has set in. And the Broncos players are starting to take to it. It, it, it took a little longer than I think he would have liked. But we're starting to see the results pay off now. And I think they're hitting their stride on defense. So definitely encouraging on that side of the ball. And this is awesome, this, this new forum that we're using on StreamYard. We can see all the questions, all the engagement in one single stream on both YouTube and Facebook. So this is going to be a lot of fun, a lot, a lot more people in the room with us this time, Zach. So yeah. first, just a couple of quick matters of business, then we're going to dive into this thing. I just want to remind everybody watching right now and those of you who are going to be listening to this as a podcast after the fact, make sure that you're following the Huddle Up podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That is the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And if you want to get in on the giveaway, some of this Mile High Huddle and Huddle Up Podcast swag we give away each and every month, go to Apple Podcasts as soon as you're done with this episode. Leave us a creative review. And if you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating. It's a great way to help the show, and it enters you into the drawing. Don't look now, Broncos country, but your team is on a two-game winning streak after starting off this season 
0-4. If you've missed out on any of the fun, there's still plenty of time to get in on the action with my bookie. Of course, the Broncos-Titans game was phenomenal, but next week on a short week, the Broncos have the Chiefs. How about an in-game wager and player props for that game? You still think the division's in play? Well, go get some great odds on that, too. And that just scratches the surface. We have teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Zach. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Let's back this thing up and start from the first quarter. I mean, really, we'll get into the offense, but we have to tip our caps to this defensive performance. Vic Fangio, his vision started to come together last week. We could see it in the personnel tweaks the Broncos made, putting in Alexander Johnson at linebacker, keeping Adam Gotsis on the bench, actually as a healthy scratch last week in place of, or four, I should say, Mike Purcell. He rolled the dice that way, don't fix what ain't broke. Did it again this week against the Titans, and it was an even more dominant and powerful performance. Your thoughts on especially the performances of Alexander Johnson, who stacked another game himself, and Big Mike Purcell. Yeah, I mean, again, we question how or why it took the Broncos so long to make those switches, but I'm so glad they did. Alexander Johnson, to me, has been a game-changing linebacker from the moment he stepped foot on the field, and he's such a gigantic upgrade at that spot after suffering through Todd Davis, Brandon Marshall, uh, you know, even Dakota Watson a couple months ago. It's nice having that young playmaking inside linebacker on the roster, and every week, given the opportunity, he's, he's actually impacting the game. He's not just making a tackle down the field. He's not just being on the field. He's impacting the game in a positive way um i'd love to see that i love to see the young players like demarcus walker all he does is make plays whenever he's on the field and it's so nice in that vic fangio system to finally see that bump that we've been talking about that we've been predicting for months start to come to light with those young guys and we probably really should not have been so surprised to see the defense kind of struggle out of the gates to start this season because Fangio's scheme is a lot more complex. And what made this an even more difficult turn for the Broncos in terms of assimilating this defense is it's so night and day different than what the team had run under Wade Phillips and then Joe Woods. 
And so it really took some time to kind of for everybody to settle in, understand the, the more complex zone schemes, understand what Fangio was looking for, find the right personnel fits in the front seven. But now it is finally starting to come together. And I just shudder to think what this thing would look like two weeks you know, in a row with victories if Bradley Chubb was manning the other side mm-hmm. there opposite of Von Miller. But yeah. nevertheless, Malik Reed's hanging in there. He's doing well. He's creating some pressure. He's holding it down against the run. I mean, what did the – I mean, Derrick Henry, who is one of the more prolific, bigger backs, obviously, in the league, held to 28 yards rushing on 15 totes. His long for the day was six, Zach. I mean, that's on top of last week, the Broncos held that potent uh, Chargers duo, running back duo, Melvin Ingram, or excuse me, Melvin Gordon and uh, Austin Eckler, to just 35 yards rushing. So in back-to-back games, this Broncos squad is holding their opponents to 50 yards or under in in, uh, rushing. And what's helping with that is we didn't see the first couple of weeks. They're tackling. They're, they're bringing the, the, the running back to the ground. They're, they're staying in their lanes. They're just playing good, disciplined football. And that's been the biggest key. I mean, obviously making plays and getting to the ball, but being consistently coaching, putting in the best possible position to make plays, we're finally starting to see that. They're tightening up. And we haven't really seen a very solid, disciplined, uh, cerebral defense since Wade Phillips. And we're finally starting to turn the corner into a defense that flies to the ball, makes plays, forces turnovers, gets to the quarterback. It's so encouraging from a football fan's perspective. Cameron Whitehead on Facebook says, finally a solid full four quarters from the Broncos defense. And yeah. I concur. I mean, they played really well last week against the Chargers on the road, but today was a masterpiece type of performance. Fangio called a great game from an X's and O's perspective. And the execution was just phenomenal. And by the way, I want to back this up again to Alexander Johnson, who today led the Broncos in tackles. He had nine combined. Six of them were solo tackles. Plus, he had a sack and a half credited Mm -hmm. to him. Meanwhile, Derek Wolf, who's been pretty much non-existent as a pass rusher this year, gets two sacks. Demarcus Walker gets two sacks. And then Vaughn Miller is credited with a half sack. So Vaughn now has two and a half on this season, but the Broncos not only were able to get after both passers today, but they also got those takeaways. It's just surprising to me that Demarcus Walker almost has as many sacks as Von Miller. I mean, what, what year are we in? What time are we in right now? But uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter where they come from. And in fact, it's more encouraging that they're, they're, they're divvying up the production. They're forcing turnovers. Again, interceptions, taking the ball away and giving it to the offense and changing the course of the game, not just getting by, not just going through the motions like we saw. Something happened. I don't know if it's the, the personnel moves or something was said in the locker room. They just had enough. But the last couple of weeks, this is the defense that we all thought we were getting. I mean, we we have to talk about this from Jay Thomas. Here's what Jay says. And yet again, Joe Flacco looks like a bored, sad old man out there. Flacco, he had a couple of good throws today, including that deep one. I think it was a 41-yarder to Sutton. He had a nice play on the Broncos' final possession in which they were able to get that last field goal. He had that big throw on third down to Sutton to move the chains. He had a couple of throws, but again, this was a very, very uneven game from Joe Flacco. Very frustrating to watch. I tweeted about this during the game that, you know, watching Joe Flacco is, as an analyst, whether you're an analyst or a fan, it's just frustrating because he takes one step forward, takes two steps back. Yet again, and even on that final possession where they got that 48-yard field goal from McManus, he takes that sack that puts the field goal just quite kind of in that range where McManus, you have to kind of doubt him a little bit with his struggles from 50 or beyond. Fortunately, he was at 48. He nailed it. But Joe Flacco is the king 
of taking those sacks when you're right on the fringe of field goal range on third down. I don't know what it is with him, but either way, Zach, John Elway can't continue watching this crap show offensively and still say Flacco's the guy. I mean, I'm just reading these comments right now, and it's funny. When I was roasting Flacco when the Broncos were losing, I was getting all this flack. Now fans are roasting Flacco when he's winning, when the Broncos are winning, and it's okay. He is still the same quarterback he always was, and the Broncos are still winning now in spite of him. He's still not the guy. He's still not a franchise guy, and nothing's going to change. At 34, he's not going to suddenly become a franchise quarterback. Elway is delusional to think that. And the sooner we see Drew Locke on the field, win or lose, is the better case for the Broncos' long-term prospects. Tony says, we found someone worse than Joe Flacco. (laughs) Marcus Mariota. That's pretty sad. Indeed. Uh, Let's see here what Cubecraft Band says. He goes, great day for football. The Chiefs take uh, a home loss, a shiny new loss at home. Denver gets its second consecutive win. That's another thing that we have to address here. The Chiefs now have, while the Broncos are stacking a little mini winning streak, the Chiefs are stacking a losing streak, and the two teams are going to face each other next week on a short week on Thursday night football. Zach, things, I mean, we can't get too far out over our skis here, but if the Broncos manage to stack three wins, and it's going to be tough the way that offense played today to see them try, because as good as the defense was today, you're going to be going against Patrick Mahomes. You're going to put up points, and Joe Flacco is going to have to try and find a way to tread water and keep up. And at this stage, it's hard to see that happening. However, if the Broncos can shock the world because it is in Denver, it's at home, the Broncos would have beat the Chiefs last year at home. If Case Keenum connects on that one shot to Demarius Thomas down the right sideline, unfortunately, it's why the Broncos end up losing that game. But it was a single-score loss. If the Broncos can stack this win, they're one game out from leading in the AFC West after starting 0-4. So that's how things can change depending on how, you know, the division stacks up. Things can change in the NFL quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, going from uh, Mariota to Mahomes is a pretty big leap, but he showed the last couple weeks, Mahomes, he's human. He's mortal. He can be beat. He's not 100%. He has a little bit of an ankle injury. His supporting cast has been banged up. And like we've been saying all offseason, Chad, he he kind of fell off a little bit, kind of came down to earth a little bit, Mahomes. He is beatable. But like you said, the Broncos, if they want to upset them, still going to be a hard-fought game. They're going to be underdogs at home, but they can upset him if they play this defense. They're going to have to have a little more from their offense. They're going to have to match scores a little bit, but it's definitely a winnable game for Denver now. Donald says, Kareem Jackson had a hell of a game too. That jump on the late pick was a thing of beauty. And again, we talked a lot about this in the Gut Reaction podcast last week, but when Kareem Jackson is on the field for this defense, it takes on a completely new complexion and energy, and it just goes to a whole other level. Kareem Jackson, once again, huge performance, huge game, gets the game-clinching interception to close this thing out. Yeah, by far and away the most integral piece on that Broncos defense right now, even more so than Von Miller. Uh, Kareem Jackson just makes that defense go. He can do so many different things, and there's no coincidence to me that he's been playing better, and the Broncos are now getting to the quarterback, getting takeaways. Uh, he really is the engine of this defense right now, and just a terrific signing by Howay. You know, we talked about it, but I wasn't overly thrilled with that move and moving him to safety, but he's proved me wrong in spades. I love watching the guy play. On YouTube, Willard says, hey guys, what about Von Miller? Where is he? He has been non-existent. Now, Willard, I will counter with you a little bit there. He hasn't been non-existent. I mean, he was consistently bending the edge and putting pressure on Mariota and then Tannehill. Today, he managed to get home at least on half of a sack. So, you know, he didn't go two games in a row after having those two sacks against the Jags. He goes sackless against the Chargers. He did manage to get on the board today. 
Zach, they're not quite coming, but this is the model. If you, I mean, the way that defense played, shutting out the Titans today, and the Broncos offense does just enough. I mean, you want to see better, but as long as they do just enough to get a lead and you and you turn that into a multi-score lead, even though it never got more than two scores, that's the model. That allows guys like Von Miller, Demarcus Walker, Malik Reed, Shelby Harris, all those guys to get after the quarterback. Yeah, I wouldn't say Miller is non-existent, but he's not the star of the show. He's more of a supporting character now, and that's fine. I mean, if he just gets double teams, gets triple teams, chip blocks, it opens up for Malik Reed, uh, for Demarcus Walker. It's no surprise these young players are starting to come up now because Vaughn, without Chubb, is forced to do the dirty work. He still should win more one-on-ones. He still, by virtue of his talent, should have more sacks, but he's still opening up things on the other side for the other players. As long as he does that, I don't think Fangio will complain too much. Jacob says, <clears throat> I don't know how far this offense can carry the team, but this defense, if this defense can stay the course and the running game kicks into high gear, watch out. And that's the model. Like, I mean, I mean, even John Elway would be he all offseason he's saying, you know, Flacco's the guy despite drafting Drew Locke in the early in the second round. Flacco's the guy, Flacco's the guy. But even he was never going to go out and, and talk or or say things publicly as if this offense was going to be explosive. That's not the model. The model here is to play batten down the hatches offense, lead with the rushing attack, take your shots in the play action game, play smart, protect the football offensively, score your points when you are in the red zone, defensively smother, get after the quarterback, stop the run. And this is the model. Now you want to see better production. You can only imagine how much better this team could be if the offense could show some improvement, Zach. And of course, with Manuel Sanders being ruled out with that knee injury, you have to wonder what's going on there. However, that is the model, and if they can continue this thing, as Jacob points out to, they are going to be a difficult team to beat as we get deeper into the season. Yeah, as the weather turns, you want teams that run the ball well, play good defense, and that's what the Broncos were always built for, and their early season problem was forcing Flacco and forcing the offense to be a pass-first team. They're just not built for that. Philip Lindsay coming alive helps. Having Janovich back helps. Royce Freeman having kind of a breakout season helps. And their defense now forcing turnovers, getting to the quarterback. You put all those ingredients together, that's Broncos football. That's Fangio football, and that's winning football. And if they can continue that going forward, they're going to keep stacking up the wins. Playoffs, I don't know about. They're going to definitely make a run in the second half of the season. This one comes from Robert. He says, I finally saw what you've been saying about Flacco taking bad sacks. The one towards the end of the game was terrible. He's played too long to let sacks force us to make much longer field goals. Exactly, Robert. And that's the thing is, you know, Flacco, if everything else is clicking, unlike the first quarter of the season where everything was still in a limbo, guys were getting used to Fangio's scheme, offense was getting used to all the new faces as well, Flacco's nowhere near good enough to be the difference in terms of wins and losses. But when everything else is firing on all cylinders, just like you saw the Ravens when they were in their peak forms over the 11 years he was there, he can win you ball games. but he's never going to be that guy who can put a team on his shoulders, Zach, and will you to victory. I, he had one season like that, and you're right, Chad. That's always the quarterback he's been, and that's the part of the reason why the Ravens dumped him for a rookie who last year couldn't pass the ball. So, you know, they can keep hiding Flacco, and that'll help them, but any fan is still delusional to think he's this savior quarterback. He's any sort of a massive upgrade on a Case Keenum, maybe incremental, but nothing certainly worth having on and holding on to for the next three, four, or five seasons. Deb says, these offensive play calls suck bad. We're not producing because we're not running any spread offense for Flacco. Flacco is a spread offense quarterback, not pistol or three tight end formations. Now, I'm not so sure about the spread aspect, but I do, I'm do. i glad she brought that up, Deb, because 
I want to address the play calling issue. It comes off as conservative, but I think, Zach, the big reason why is sometimes perception is not the same as reality. I think the big reason why is the trigger man. Again, Joe Flacco, he is ultra conservative. He His pocket presence, we, we talk about this quite a bit as a statue, Helen Keller-like at times in terms of just being deaf and, and, and blind to <laughs> what's happening around him in the pocket. Joe Flacco, I think you get a, a more dynamic quarterback in that offense under Scangarello, and what you see take shape is more akin to what's happening right now for the San Francisco 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I kind of take umbrage with saying he doesn't succeed in, in, in multi-tight end packages. That's what he's lived on in Baltimore is throwing to the tight end. And unfortunately, the Broncos don't have an established guy now. Kind of takes away his safety blanket. But this offense and Scangarello's offense is really, really built for Drew Locke. And I think once we see him on the field, he'll take to it quicker and I think uh, uh, more excitingly than uh, Flacco has thus far. Brandon says, I like Joe Flacco. He's a good guy. It's Drew Locke time. Now, Let's address, because I know this is unclear from some of our commenters here that are with us live, what to expect with Drew Locke. Now, first of all, because he was placed on IR and was on the opening day 53-man roster, the Broncos can designate him to return. They can bring him back to the active roster after eight games have passed. Starting next week, uh, so during the, the preparation for week seven, he can begin practicing again. And then after the Chiefs game, once the Broncos officially get into week eight, um, well, actually it's week nine, he can be activated and returned to the active roster. Now, John Elway, Zach, spoke to this on Friday during the Ring of Fame, you know, fantennial deal that they were doing at the stadium. He was asked directly, are you going to activate Drew Locke? What's the plan? And he basically said, we're going to take it week to week. We're going to play it by ear. Wouldn't commit one way or another. Zach, I think some of it has to do with the team wants to kind of wait and see how he manages a workload on the practice field because he told Mike Kliss a weekend ago, so a week, a week ago, he told Mike Kliss that it no longer hurts him to grip a football or to throw. But once you get him on the practice field, you get him some reps, he goes through a full day of throwing, the Broncos are going to want to see whether or not he suffers any setbacks or how much pain or discomfort that might uh, create after a big full day of, of throwing the football. But Zach, if – everything goes as planned. There are no setbacks. What do you think right now? What's your gut tell you? Do the Broncos bring Drew Locke back off IR? Well, I was going to say a part of it too was also the Broncos winning or losing ball games. And I think every win the Broncos stack until he's back on the field or back on the roster is going to give Joe Flacco a bigger leash. So, you know, it's it's a tough call right now. I think they'll activate him for sure just to have him on the roster, have him involved. But playing him, especially ha- they have a bye in week 10, they can get by after that. Uh, that might be a little more tenuous also. I don't know if he's going to get a full audition or at least a, a multi-game audition, but I think for sure he'll, he'll be activated just to have him back in the fold, have him back at practice, taking reps. So that's why I think the Drew Locke plan is right now. I just want to say one thing, though. About Flacco being a good guy, I don't want to know about you, Chad. I don't want any more good guys under center. I don't want any more Simeons or Paxton Lynch's Case Keenum's. I want kind of an a-hole. I want an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady type who's going to take the game by the strength of his arm. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah. And honestly, what it comes down to, if you're John Elway, the thought process has to be better to have and not need than need and not have. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Broncos have stacked now two games in a row. We'll see what they're able to do against the Chiefs next week. But even if they lose next week to the Chiefs and they end up being two and five, then you get that, that Colts game. We'll see what happens there. But the Broncos dug themselves a pretty deep hole to open this year at 0-4. All of the odds say... It's pretty dang slim that they're going to be, you know, striving for a playoff berth. 
Elway has to recognize that, face that fully, and go, look, even if we don't end up playing him or giving him any significant play time this year, it's better to have him available on the roster, sitting there holding the clipboard in case Flacco goes into a slump or in case we get mathematically eliminated. Because if you miss the playoffs completely this year and you don't get a look at Drew Locke, that is the epitome of a completely failed season other than it gave Vic Fangio 16 games to break the ice as a head coach and call him plays from the sideline. Other than that, Zach, it's hard. It would be really difficult to find any silver linings for this team if they miss the playoffs and they don't get your lock on the field at all and get any kind of evaluation on him for the future. And probably end up with a, a you know a, a draft pick outside the top ten. That's a total doomsday scenario for me. So yeah, I think they're waiting for him to get healthy. And I believe Elway when he said he's taking it by a week to week basis. But Elway also said he's trying to win games right now. Same reason why they're not trading any players supposedly. So as long as that keeps happening, Flacco's going to be the starter, and Locke is the distant number two or number three uh, behind Allen. Jonathan says the Chiefs offense and the Titans offense are completely different and that's absolutely true and we touched on that earlier in this conversation that very encouraging to see the way this Broncos defense has played the last two weeks but you know you're dealing with a completely different animal next week with the Chiefs even though it's in Denver it is the epitome of dynamic it is the you know the apex of offensive football in the NFL right now what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to bring to empower field at mile high. So we have to pump the brakes, but at the same time, you you got to be really happy for this Broncos defense who is beginning to gel. You know, they're building up some confidence and some juice. Who knows, Zach, how they can parlay that, how they can harness that and point it toward Patrick Mahomes and unleash maybe something even more dynamic than what we saw today. This was a best-case scenario for the Broncos' defense is to get some momentum, wins under their belt, and in playing good football before they face Mahomes for the first time this year. And Mahomes, who's kind of weakened physically and I think uh, mentally, he's coming back down to earth. He's still an all-world quarterback, but he's shown he's mortal. He's shown he's beatable. That's two games in a row now, and I think and you know the Broncos are on a two-game winning streak, so you know it's opposites heading into that big Thursday night game. I think... Playing the Broncos football, playing how they know, playing a full 60 minutes, I will give them a, a good, good shot of at least hanging with Mahomes, if not beating him. I think this is a team, based on the model we've seen the last two weeks, this is a team that can hang with Mahomes. The question is going to be, on the offensive side of things, can you do enough to score enough points to negate the impact Mahomes is going right. to make on that scoreboard? That's what it all comes down to. Now, Dre brings something up that I think needs to be addressed. Ronald Leary with what was his seventh, the TV broadcast had it incorrectly. That was his seventh holding penalty of the season, Zach. Your thoughts on Ronald Leary at right guard. I mean, the fan base, you know, they're used to crucifying Garrett Bowles, and justifiably so after that hideous week two performance against the Bears. But quietly, maybe not so quietly anymore, Ronald Leary is is having arguably a much worse season than Bowles. Yeah, you're right. If we have to dump on Bulls, we have to dump on Leary, and and we have. He's been a massive disappointment. I thought he would have a a potential Pro Bowl year under Munchak. He's been kind of teetering on that level, but he's been injury-prone. He's been ineffective when on the field. He's been a big $36 million disappointment as far as I'm concerned. There's a reason why Dallas let him go, uh, that lineman factory over there. So I think he'll be replaced after the season. They kind of just have to get by right now. Unfortunately, all the injuries kind of complicate matters. If they had a better backup or a better situation, they probably would think about replacing Leary. Just got to just ride it out, I think, till after the season. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. 
It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Ram Station 94 says, I might be the only one that thinks that Joe is our guy. Yeah, maybe he isn't a Mahomes, but we can and have won games with him, too. We sure haven't lost games because of him. Debatable. Zach, he's not, as we've talked about so many times, he's not the guy that you know you, you point to as the reason that you lost, per se, but he's very rarely the guy that it's like, oh my goodness. Think back even to <laughs> think back even to games that Tim Tebow won for this team in 2011, okay? He would stink it up for three and a half quarters. But when the chips were down, he would make plays with his legs and his arm, enough plays to where after the game, the Broncos come away with a miraculous win. And you could say it was ugly at times from Tebow, but yeah, the team won because of him. We're not really seeing any kind of dynamism, dynamic, anything out of Joe Flacco. And it's, it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing because, you know, you, you get out to a quick start two weeks in a row against the Jags and the Chargers. Today, you can even say, and then they, you stink it up in the third quarter, you can even say that today. It was just eke it out, eke it out, two for 14 on third down. You, that falls on the quarterback, you guys. Third down and points scored are two um, statistics, okay, efficiency-wise, that point directly to the efficiency of the quarterback and clearly two for 14 Ram station 94. If that, if you're okay with that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I think Jared said it best. Flacco is a game manager at best. And it's true. It's what he is. He's a, he's a mediocre quarterback who can manage a game, but he's rarely going to do anything to win the game. And more often than not, he would contribute to a loss. I mean, I look at his interceptions a lot the first four weeks of the season, his the bad time balls, him taking sacks, putting the Broncos in a bad position, their defense, their offense, whatever. That's losing games because of him, too. I mean, every fan is entitled to their opinion. I'm only going to say this again. He is not the only problem, but he is far, far, far from the solution. Until that changes, uh, my opinion of Flacco personally is not going to change. Buffalo Soldier says, The Titans did well stopping the run, forced Flacco to make more plays behind the chains. The Chiefs should be softer up front and make it easier on Flacco. And that's one thing that's true, that this Titans defense was very, very good. Like, they're not the reason this team is now 2-5 and five or 2-4. and 2-4. and four. Two and four. The Titans. It's a very, especially the secondary, the linebackers and the, and the safeties in the corners have been very good for this Titans team. But overall, as a unit, they're tough, man. It's not easy to get, uh, you know, rushing yards. 
And yet the Broncos, let's see, on the day, rushing-wise, the Broncos did get over the century mark, Zach. They produced 103 yards, so maybe a slightly below average rushing performance from the team overall against that Chiefs front seven, much more malleable against the run, which might open things up. Who knows? Just putting on our optimism glasses here, uh, you know, orange-colored here. Maybe that helps Joe Flacco loosen up and, and be better next week against Mahomes. This is a big spot, in my opinion, for Royce Freeman. That big bowling ball running back to wear down the defense. And, like, great point that the Chiefs' front is mostly soft, like usual. And Royce Freeman just that battering ram on first and second down that can just wear down the defense. Then by the third, fourth quarter, you have some Philip Lindsay making plays. You open up the pass for Flacco. That's a great point, and that's how the Broncos' offense finds success. Stick to the run, and you use that to set up the pass. If uh, they lean on Flacco, it's not going to be pretty. So two weeks in a row, here's some good news for Flacco. Two weeks in a row, Jawan James has practiced as a limited participant, showed some positive signs this week, didn't quite get over the hump to where the coaches felt good enough to play him. However, Troy Rank reported right before kickoff today that even though Jawan James is going to be a, a scratch, he's not playing today, the team believes he's going to be good to go next week on a short week, a short turnaround against the Chiefs. How much do you think that impacts the model and the way this offense can even, even in the passing attack, you know, Elijah Wilkinson, he's, he's not been good at right tackle. He's just miscast there. He belongs inside, but how much or how does Jawan James impact this offense? It's so tough to say because we only saw him for a very limited period before he got hurt. So I, I would think he's obviously a massive upgrade on Wilkinson. But he's also going to have some rust after missing uh, you know, multiple games in a row now. So he's going to have to get back in the swing of things, reform that chemistry with his lineman uh, next to him. But once that happens, obviously it'll be a big boost for the offense, big boost for the running game. They can start running to the right side and having some success there. Um, it's, it's nothing but a positive, I think, having James back for a big AFC West primetime showdown. And what Ben says here, Flacco's lack of mobility is killing the offense. Drew Locke can get out of the pocket, throw on the run, which I think will open up the playbook. And I think that's true. That's what I mean by a more dynamic performance from the quarterback all of a sudden casts the play caller. I mean, you see the end result of the play. You don't necessarily see what the hot read was. You don't necessarily see what if they were trying to take a shot, how the, you know, what kind of opportunity was there that the quarterback might not have pulled the trigger. Here's an example. Now, this was last week against the Chargers, but in that opening possession, the Broncos still ended up punching it in and getting a touchdown. But there was a play on second down from like the six-yard line where Joe Flacco has a – no, it was actually 16-yard line. No offense, streaking down the left seam, Zach, wide open in the end zone, wide open. But instead, Flacco swings it out to the left flat to Royce Freeman, who gets bottled up for like five, six-yard gain. That's a touchdown. Now, fortunately, it didn't come back to to haunt the Broncos because they still managed to punch it in on that possession. But that's what I mean by – it's a small example of what I mean by a more dynamic trigger man, whether it's from the pocket, arm talent, aggression, getting outside the pocket, running around, can make a play caller look that much better. Right. And what I've noticed about Flacco is one of the things he's been very apprehensive in throwing deep this season, forcing balls in a coverage, forcing balls on the seam. I don't know if it's because he's been it's been drilled into his head not to make mistakes or he's just generally tentative. But he that's the throw, like you mentioned, Chad, that Locke would pull the trigger on. That's just his type of thinking. That's just his mentality. That's just his game. And once we see that in the Broncos offense, uh, he's going to need some time going to make mistakes. And those balls are going to be picked off in the, in the beginning. But once he gets that down, that's a play he'll just execute secondhand, second nature. And those will lead to touchdowns, more exciting, game-breaking plays from the quarterback. Corey says, we have our new Brandon Marshall on the field in Cortland Sutton. Sutton, you know, he, was, uh, he didn't find pay dirt. 
So two games in a row, he scored touchdown against the Jaguars and the Chargers. He was bottled up in that sense, kept out of pay dirt today. However, he did have four receptions for 76 yards, including that 41-yarder. What are your thoughts on the way Cortland Sutton appears to really just continue to be taking that, that quantum leap forward in year two? It's funny we get this question because I literally tweeted out, it's been such a pleasure watching Cortland Sutton blossom from a wide receiver three, which he was last year, to a wide receiver one in a breakout year everyone saw coming. But rarely do players have that breakout year that we're all predicting. And he really has come through each and every week, even in the handicapped offense, even with so many different things going on. He just makes play after play after play. He's a true dominant receiver. And me personally, I cannot wait to watch him grow and develop as this, as his household name for the next decade plus. Jacob says, I don't know if Locke is the answer yet. His ceiling in this offense is much higher though than Flacco's is long-term no doubt. And that's the issue here. And unfortunately, John Elway gets caught up in the short term over the long term. We've seen it now. Ever since Peyton Manning hung up his cleats, rode off into the sunset as a world champ, John Elway kind of he's, – he's much more concerned about winning today than moving the, the chess pieces on the board in a way that not only benefits the team short term but long term. I agree here that Locke probably gives this offense a much more dynamic ability in terms of being able to make plays and do different things. Flacco is limiting. The problem is, Jacob, how do you get John Elway to recognize that? That's the problem. That's the issue. I mean, as long as they keep winning games, you know, or hover even close to 500, even if Locke is activated and on the sideline holding the clipboard, barring a four or five interception type of day from Flacco, you're just not going to see the Broncos pull the trigger on putting Locke into the game until they've been basically mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Then it becomes something Elway confronts and looks at. I don't think any Broncos fan, any rational Broncos fan with a working brainstem, I don't even think Joe Flacco's family would disagree with the fact that Locke has a higher upside than Flacco. It's just reality, and that's why Elway took that step to being that that long-term rebuilding plan under center. And he's taken half measures everywhere else. He took home with Flacco, but he kind of looked himself in the mirror this offseason and kind of realized he can't keep kicking the can down the road, the Keenums, the Flaccos of the world. That's why he traded up for Locke, and it's only a matter of time before he gets on the field. And uh, once he does, I think he'll prove uh, correct that he can be the, the potential face of the franchise for the next you know, decade, 15 years, possibly. And that's the key is you want Elway to trust what his gut told him. He wanted to pull the trigger on Locke at pick 10. In the right. draft, held, stood pat, ended up trading back, took Noah Fant, took Dalton Reisner, and then eventually got Drew Locke. But he needs to trust his gut that there's there's some there there with regard to Drew Locke. He's got as good of arm strength as Joe Flacco and a more dynamic skill set as an athlete. He's closer to – now, don't, don't get this twisted. He's closer to a Patrick Mahomes-style quarterback in terms of what the ceiling is, Okay, what the potential is. Then, like, uh, you know, the pocket statue that, right. that Joe Flacco is, it's not even going to come close to that. And so that limits your offense. That limits your offense very much so. Joe Flacco might have the same arm strength as Elway, but he doesn't have anywhere close to the athleticism and just dynamic ability to make plays. Now, let's turn the page here. Corey says, Alex Johnson, Alexander Johnson, giving this D a bite in that position uh, since Trevathan. And that's something we talked about last week, Zach, that that was just last week against the Chargers. That was the most dynamic performance from an inside linebacker we've seen from a Bronco since that 2015 season where you had Brandon Marshall, when you had Danny Trevathan both playing at Pro Bowl caliber levels. I mean, you can't make all 11 starters on a defense Pro Bowlers, but those guys were playing at that level. It's been really nice 
to see Alex Johnson step in and do what he's doing. And not only that, Zach, I don't know if you've noticed this or if this has jumped out to you, but it's also made Todd Davis play better. Todd Davis has looked a lot better the last two weeks as well, both in run support and in coverage. I think one hand washes the other, Chad. I think him excelling Alexander Johnson has taken the pressure off Todd Davis, and I like just seeing some dynamic playmaking ability from an inside linebacker. After suffering through the combination of Marshall and Todd Davis the last couple years, it's been kind of Stone Age, and the Broncos are finally getting into that uh, that turnover mentality on defense. He's been a, a big shining light, and there's a reason why the Broncos handed him a multi-year contract, and he's finally starting to come to fruition in Vic, in Vic Fangio's scheme. I hope that he's never going to see the bench again. I hope that this is the turn of the page in that inside linebacking core. You said it. Can't have all pros everywhere. You can have guys that at least force turnovers, though, and make plays. And I'm so happy they have someone, a young prospect, stepping up into that role. Yep, that the the dam has opened. The floodgates have opened. The, the takeaways are coming now. And it's really good to see because for a struggling offense who is just can't move the ball consistently – they needed those short fields today in order to, you know, put some distance between them and the Titans and, you know, get those field goals and that one touchdown. So last one here, guys, and then Zach and I got to get out of here for today from Kyle. He says, Broncos get the W on my birthday. This defense looks completely different since the first three weeks. A.J. Johnson and Mike Purcell are game changers. Keep up the good work, fellas. Happy birthday Happy to birthday. you, Kyle. Yeah, that's quite the uh, the birthday present <laughs> for you. Two win, uh, Two-game winning streak, Zach. We'll uh, we'll return on uh, podcast form on Tuesday. But what's your message to this fan base as we leave them here on a victorious game day, knowing that the Chiefs are next up on the docket? I'm I'm still saying enjoy this victory. Any win is a win is a win. Doesn't matter what it comes by. The Broncos defense played a hell of a game today. Uh, don't get too high and don't start thinking playoffs, Super Bowl. They have a lot of work to do still. The offense needs some work, but we're finally starting to see the defense come together. The coaching has gotten better, and we're seeing young players like you mentioned, uh, Johnson and Purcell, Cortland Sutton, starting to become dominant leaders on this team and that's all you can hope for in a probably non-playoff season is to have players you're going to take into the future and every single week the Broncos are finding new ones so that's the most important thing to take away enjoy the victory it's another win a game in a couple days get games a game in a couple days against the Chiefs maybe they can stick together three in a row we'll have to see what happens both of those losses last year against the Chiefs were single score losses the Broncos should have won the first one they played from behind pretty much the entire second matchup at Arrowhead, but both games were decided by a single score. So this is going to be a really interesting game because, my goodness, you guys, two-game winning streak. If the Broncos manage to beat the Chiefs, get out Mm -hmm. to three and four, even I will have to start believing that maybe a real turnaround facing toward the playoffs is possible for this team. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's let's let the emotions settle. Zach and I will return on uh, Tuesday for a fresh podcast. So Those of you who are watching on YouTube, those of you who are watching currently on Facebook, make sure you subscribe to the Huddle Up podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, whether it's on Stitcher or CastBox or uh, iHeartRadio. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to the Huddle Up podcast because Zach and I are going to continue to be breaking this thing down on a daily basis throughout the week. But thanks to everybody for joining us today on this live simulcast on both YouTube and Facebook for the first time. We're grafting Facebook into this. You guys, we've been doing this uh, for the entire season. These gut reactions live. So thank you everyone for joining us and don't forget to subscribe. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Enjoy this. You guys, those first four weeks were brutal. So enjoy these victories and have a great start to your week. And Zach, you have a great week too, my brother. You too, my friend. 
All right. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys again on Tuesday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.